Welcome to Make Money Count, the podcast by Connect. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome in. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Thank How you, you doing, for Al? being here. Um, professor of Mortgage uh, Brokerage Course at Seneca College, Marcus. I'm just curious, w- working with the future generation in your industry, did it give you a sense of excitement or a sense of dread? Because, I mean, normally uh, you, you talk to people and they're pretty polarized on where they see their students headed in the, in the, in the close future. I, I really enjoyed uh, teaching the course. So I, this was when I first kind of got into the business. I was taking the courses to become a broker um, at Seneca College. I think there's about a dozen courses uh, over a, a you know a year, or you can take it over a six month period. But the um, I really enjoyed the classes, and I became friends with the uh, woman that that ran the program. She was a lovely lady. I wonder if she's still there actually. And I went to her and I said, "Listen, like I used to TA when I was uh, doing my undergrad uh, at Wilfrid Laurier, and I would love." The opportunity to teach. And it was kind of for two reasons. It was, I was really young when I started in this business. I was like, I, I, as soon as I was out of university, I went to go work at one of Canada's banks in investment banking. And when I left, I was probably 21 years old and I looked really young. And I thought that maybe it would be a good idea to add that I was the professor of the mortgage brokers course. When I was going out there and talking to real estate agents and accountants and financial planners, so they wouldn't look at me like some kid who hadn't uh some punk kid. Yeah. But I still was a punk kid. I just <laughs> I was I was a punk kid who was teaching the course at Seneca College. Um, but no, listen, it was great because I got to meet all kinds of people. Um I got to meet some people who I'm very close with still to this day, uh, that were, you know, students of mine in the class. Some of them uh, extremely knowledgeable about the mortgage industry. Some of them have been doing it for longer than this. So I learned a lot. And I think what you find uh, about this industry is that most of the people that are that are brokering mortgages and have been doing it for a while, it's not just about you know making a living. I mean, although you can make a great living, it's about speaking to people and helping them on a regular basis. Is so, it fair to suggest, and this is an image that was brought up in the 50s with accountants, and that is that any industry involving money tends to have no personality. You tend to expect to deal with people you know, who keep their heads down, staring at figures and numbers and stuff. And to be honest, doing the money shows over the years I've had, I've found it completely the opposite. And like, if you ask someone out there, you know, hey, I went to a party last night with an accountant or whatever. Whatever. They're going to go, oh, that must have been fun. You know, for the most part, for the most part, I would agree with you, but I also work with Justin. So, <laughs> you know, there are. <laughs> Do you make Justin call you professor? Oh, no, no, never. Hey, sir. No, I, pre- around the office, listen, around the office, it's pretty cordial with the exception of, I like to be called His Royal Highness. Yes, that, that is true. <laughs> Quite right. How did you, Marcus, quickly, because I am curious. I mean, were you always a money guy? Like, were you the kid sitting 16 years old in class, you know, figuring out compound interest? Or how did it happen? How did you get to where you were? A hundred percent. Like, I, I, I started my first business when I was 12 years old. Um, I hired my neighbor to drive me around because I didn't have a driver's license. Nice. Um, 
then when I was 14, I opened up my second business and uh, my neighbor was there again for me. But we, this business needed a truck and I bought a very cheap truck and then the truck broke down. So I had to go work as a waiter to get the money to fix the truck. And then we were off to the races. What about you, Justin? Uh, you always like lined up for where you are today, or honestly, my whole life I've been the kind of guy that just likes to socialize and uh, be around other people and speak to people, you know, whether it be on the phone or in person. So I think it was quite the opposite. I, I did, I do remember that I did get a seventy percent in math one year, but that was an anomaly. So. Um, like a high, like that was a high. That was, <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, I have a calculator on my desk, right? <laughs> um, uh, but listen, for me, it's more about about you know bonding with people and helping them, and and you know watching them kind of go through the motions of of fixing a situation or 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 you know, um, so on and so forth. So yeah, Matthew, what about you? I mean, 20, twelve years ago, ten years ago, is this where you would have figured you'd end up? No, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, 12 years ago, I had just met Justin and uh, we were good friends. Uh, we both parted ways and did that in our careers. Uh, and about a year ago, they asked me to join the team to start doing this podcast for them. And uh, after meeting uh, 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 Marcus for the first time, I was pretty much like Donnie in The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, is that your car outside? I'll quit, I'll quit my job right now. I'll quit my job right now and I'll come work for you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... One last question, Marcus, before we get into the actual show show part, because I'm curious about getting to know you guys. And that is for someone listening. I mean, you, you know, put back on your professorial robes, which I doubt you ever had. But uh, is it a good industry? Is it a good business for somebody? And, and who's the who's the who's someone out there that are listening now is listening now, for that matter, uh, that, that should probably consider it? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say, like, number one thing you got to have a genuine concern for wanting to help somebody through something or, or you got to really like the people you got to like people you got to enjoy dealing with people on a regular basis and more importantly you got to be a good listener because if you're not listening and you're not spending time to absorb what the customer needs and a lot of times they're not going to be able to verbalize exactly the mm. timelines or the dollar amounts so if you can glean information from people and develop a relationship and you're a good communicator, those are the key skills. After that, like if you're if you're great at math, awesome. But I'll tell you something. That the way math happens as a mortgage broker for the most part is it's either calculating a payment or calculating a percentage. And it's like um like answering phone calls on mortgages all day is kind of like doing your own little Sudoku puzzles. Yeah. That's not a bad example, though, because Justin, Matthew, you both said before that that is kind of what you do. You spend a lot of time listening to the calls you get and then working with the caller to, to try and find out uh, via the Sudoku puzzle uh, what what is the best fit for them. And it can be a variety of different things. Yeah, there, there's there's tons of, of options on the table, obviously, and, and different routes that we can take this. And what Marcus said about really just listening to what exactly they need is definitely the most important thing, right? Because, because like you said, I, I mean, I, I wanted to pipe up at the moment, but, but yeah, most people, you know, when they come to you, they just say, you know, this is my situation. They'd obviously don't come to you and say like, this is the, the, you know, we are the people to, to take them down that path. So 
um, you know, just just listening is 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 very key. And 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 yeah. yeah, if you like people and you're a good communicator, you're gonna do well in almost any field. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. But but more to the point, and I mean, we've talked about this in the past, you know, the audience who are listening, the people who are going to pick up the phone and call you, they have no idea what questions you're going to ask, nor do they have any idea what they need to know to answer the questions that you're going to ask. So it's it's reassuring to know that you will obviously gently lead them to where they need to be as opposed to, you know, waiting for them to ask the first question, which they have no clue what it is. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like last week's sh- or two weeks ago's show was so great because of how many people we had on the lines. So we should do like, intri- like if you're listening to the show today and you have a mortgage and you have any type of question about that mortgage, especially if it's relating to maybe it's time to break it, maybe it's time to renegotiate with your bank. Everyone listening to this mortgage should understand that the five-year fixed rate for a mortgage right now is like 1.7%. It's five-year fixed-rate money. The Bank of Canada's prime rate is at 2.45%. You can probably get a variable-rate mortgage at around 1%, but keep in mind, we know inflation is coming. So like, if you are confident that inflation is coming, which we are, and you are sitting in a five-year fixed-rate mortgage, which most Canadians are, or a five-year variable for that matter, understand that breaking or renegotiating now will add five years from today's date of what could be a fully insulated five-year fixed rate. And there is a ton of value in that. There are some things that could derail this inflation story, right? We could, like, you know, you were talking about on the last show, we've got a federal election coming up. We know, you know, there's one party that's very likely to win that election. And it's very likely that once they win that election and receive a strong mandate, we're going to see higher taxes. And if we see higher taxes, that could definitely impact uh, inflation. So, but regardless, if you're listening to the show right now and you have any type of question about your mortgage, I think last week we had a bunch of calls. We helped a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, That's the reason why we're doing the show. So if you're listening, don't, don't be shy. Give us a call. Uh, I'm very nice. Justin is relatively nice. So. I'm, ni- I'm nicer, hands down. <laughs> We're both the same. Let's, same let's nice, take a I'll break say. for traffic and we'll come back and we will figure out definitively who is the nicer one. I love it. Show That's down. me. I'm nicer. <laughs> Alex in Toronto. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Great. Brilliant, brilliant idea for a show. I don't know what percentage of Canadians have a mortgage, but uh, this has to directly affect every one of them. Uh, listen, Thank you. I have a question. I went to the bank the other day to see if I can get a better rate on my mortgage. The balance on my mortgage is around 400000 and my rate is currently 3.19%. I was offered a blended rate of 2.94% with a penalty of $10,000. Uh, I'm curious to know whether or not you think it makes sense to look around. Yeah, for sure. I, it sounds weird that like, that's a really high, <laughs> that's a really high blended rate, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say first off, like there's definitely more wiggle room there. I love that your penalty is only 10 grand on a 319. It means you either don't have much time left or it's with a decent provider with a decent penalty. That $10,000 penalty on $400,000 represents 2.5% of the, um, of the loan uh, amount on four hundred. So 
if you could switch to, you know, a five-year fixed, even compare it to a five-year fixed at one seventy-five from you said three nineteen, you're looking at you know, a, a, a really nice chunk of change, especially if it's a, for a period of time that's longer than one year. Um, at the very least, what I would say is after the show we should connect, and <laughs> we should connect with an A. And then um, we can at least provide you with what the rates on the market are. And you can go back to your bank and you can say, listen, I'm going to leave. Here's what I've got on offer. Mm-hmm. The, the, the only thing that I would caution you on is when you're dealing with the bank, number one, if you're, taking a, if you're looking to switch from a fixed to a fixed, understand that if you do decide to break that mortgage in the in the new term of the new loan, you're going to be subjected to the same mortgage penalty calculations that you're dealing with right now. And it's going to suck. So be aware of that and be cognizant of the fact that in the same way you're looking to break your mortgage right now, you very well could be looking to break this mortgage that you're obtaining. Uh, like we said in the last show, it's 75% of Canadians break their five-year fixed rate or five-year mortgages before their maturities. So even though the intention is that you're not going to break it, you might break it, in which case the bank is the worst place to have a mortgage. Uh, and if you're switching from fixed to a variable rate um, at a bank, you got to be a little careful too, because they have some tricks where they convince you that uh, the variable is, is, is the way to go at the start. And then throughout the mortgage term, you will receive information or you will you know, get the odd phone call to switch into a fixed rate mortgage. And you're never going to get a fixed rate mortgage that's at the market in the same way that you're being offered right now a blended rate that's 1.2%, 1.25% above the market. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, what? The thing, the banks are getting comfortable because customers are sticky. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you've got a savings account there and you've got a credit card there, you might as well have your mortgage there. And the banks know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they know you'll, you'll, you'll endure a little bit of pain to be with that bank. And the, the job of the best banker is to figure out just, just how much pain uh, so that they can get a gold star next to their name in the back of the branch. So don't be the guy that allows anybody to win a gold star when you're dealing with your bank, is what I would say. It's a good bit. John? Alex, any more questions? You okay? No, that was great. Very helpful, guys. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to do that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. If you want to follow up with them, the phone number 416-766-2666, 416-766-2666, and the website, C-A-N-N-E-C-T, connect with an A, connect.ca. Marcus, a couple of weeks ago, you said that statistic. It was somewhere around 70% of people break their mortgages. It seems like an awful, awful lot of people. Yeah, it, listen. It is. And it, that stuck with me. I think that was very early on in my career that I learned that. And it stuck with me. It really stuck with me. And it's not always. Why, is, why so many? I mean, it so you think about huge. It. There, okay, there's tons of reasons why someone would break their mortgage. Number one, your, the equity in your home is the cheapest source of capital you will ever have. No one's going to get an unsecured line of credit cheaper. 
No one is going to get a credit card. You might get a credit card cheaper, actually, for like one of those six-month introductory terms. But it's the cheapest source of capital you have. And I would argue that if that's 70, I'm going to, we're going to find out what it is today, but I bet it's even higher because that 75% stat was probably 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And over the course of that 10 years, we've seen a rapid increase in property values. So although the federal government and the Bank of Canada and CMHC have enacted certain measures to slow down people's ability to access the equity in their home, the fact that property values have appreciated, we probably doubled in the last 10 years means that more and more people would have been looking to access that equity. And the most intelligent way to access that equity is to, if you need a hundred thousand bucks to pay off unsecured credit cards or to send someone to school, I guess it would probably be like school in the States for a hundred grand or a renovation, whatever it is. Wedding. If you are wedding. Yeah. Just, Justin's uh, getting married soon, by the way. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. You just announced it to us today. Um, set up the GoFundMe but, page now. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so what, I, what, what I'm trying to say, is, if you can find a way to access that money that you need at a cheap interest rate, amazing. But if you can couple that with actually reducing the interest rate on the mortgage that you have to begin with, whoa, come on. That's awesome, right? Like, look at like, you know, you got a 3.19% uh, five-year fixed rate that uh, Alex was just talking about on the line. If he actually needed another $100,000 and there was a $10,000 penalty to break that mortgage, think about all of the ancillary benefits in addition to just getting a 1.7% five-year fixed rate. So he's going to go for from 3.2% you know, to 1.7%. So immediately, yeah, that's right. Immediately, he's saving one and a half percent off off his four hundred grand. That's six thousand dollars every single year that he's saving, and he's getting another hundred thousand dollars. Where arguably the only alternative would have been some sort of unsecured line of credit or credit card. So he's saving interest there. He's saving money on his existing mortgage, and whatever the remaining term he has, he's tacking on another three, four years, insulating himself against further interest rate hikes. So there's so many things to think about when you, when you have a mortgage and you need capital. And even if you don't need capital, it's something that everybody should be thinking about. So why do we break mortgages? We break mortgages because we want to access equity. We break mortgages because we have an investment opportunity. We break mortgages because we move. Property values increase. You know, it's like um, <clears throat> you don't want to get left behind. So, you know, you got a house. I want a bigger house. You know, it, it, there's a lot of movement. People moving up. People moving down. Life happens in the meantime. You know, a lot of reasons to break a mortgage. Four one six eight seven two ten ten. You can send us a text message at seven ten ten, and uh, we're in the process of setting up uh, Justin's GoFundMe page. So we'll tell you more about that <laughs> as we continue. Let's check in with Nancy in Richmond Hill. Nancy, good afternoon. Welcome in. Good afternoon. Thank you. I'm wondering if you deal in commercial mortgages. We sure do. Yeah, we do. Good. We do a lot of commercial mortgages. Okay, and can you tell me what you? Um, think the, because you said the rate for the residential mortgages uh, at the beginning of the show, what would it be currently for a commercial mortgage, a variable rate? So it's a little harder to price a commercial mortgage uh, just off the fly like that. So I would say the limitation more on the commercial mortgage is going to be on the loan to value and who your existing lender is. 
but you know you could see a commercial rate dep- and depending on the type of real estate it is so you know if it's owner occupied versus rental and then if land. it's rental what it's a land it's it's just land okay um what's the land being used for uh, n- nothing currently, but it's it's um, um, meant for future uh, residential development. Where is it located? North of Toronto. Okay. How long have you had it for? Oh, I don't have it. it. This is a. Oh, you're looking to purchase? Yeah, possibly. This is a. This is somebody I know, and they're they're considering this and trying to get okay. an idea about the mortgage rate. So. It's for residential development on a commercial basis, or is it for residential development for a single-family home? No, for a single-family home. There are existing family homes in the area already, but there's more Mm -hmm. land available for purchase. Okay. So, depending on the lender, um, in this case, I I probably there's a couple credit unions that are a little more aggressive on how they lend in a situation like this. I would probably try to steer this towards the residential side um, because if you were to get a commercial land loan from one of the banks, you'd be capped at probably, you know, depending on the location, 50% of the value of the real estate. Whereas if you have um, permits or a path to permits for the home in place, it's possible to get 80% of the property's value at the same rates that we're talking about. You know, sub two percent for a five-year fixed, one uh, percent probably below prime on a variable rate for a for the construction for the purchase of the land and the construction of a residential home. And you could expect. I mean, I don't know the the covenant, but like assuming all things are perfect, you're going to be at you know seventy-five to eighty percent of the value as you go, and then the the way they. Uh, the way they kind of retain you as a customer, the, there's one credit union in particular that I'm thinking about, is that they would just have a clause that once the home is completed, they have the um, they they'll they'll continue the mortgage for a five year period on the home. Um, but it's you know commercial lending on uh, land. If it doesn't have a path forward on a kind of single family residential uh, plan, it's going to be more expensive. But there are some really kind of clever and inexpensive ways to package it if you are building a home on it. And we can definitely help you or your friend with that. Okay. So the number that my friend can reach you on is? 766 766-2666. 766-2666. Yep. Yeah, and that's 416. 416, okay. And mm-hmm. do they ask for anybody in particular? Anybody but me. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, just repeat your name for me. My name is Justin Turner. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, my name's Marcus, but you're, whoever you're, is calling can just ask for Justin, and, uh, and he'll guide them where they need to go. Okay. Thank you, Thank you for much. your call, Nancy. There you Thanks. go. And the number again, 416-766-2666. It's actually fairly straightforward. You just ask to speak with the nicest guy in the office and uh, yeah. you know, hold for yes. a second. And, and then. Well, I'll jump in then. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say that we are currently in the office uh, recording, so... Uh, <laughs> 
We can't answer the phones right now. They just lit up with us. Uh, like, so thank you, everybody calling. But during the radio show, call into the show. If you got a question, yeah. call into the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after that, you know, Justin will be waiting uh, uh, shortly after four o'clock. <laughs> they take your call. I'm here. Abed is in Toronto. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call, guys. I uh, I I, w- I had a question regarding my uh, my mortgage. I so you know, interesting that uh, this trend you're talking about because I am very loyal to my bank. My father always told me that uh, I should be loyal to the bank, and so that whenever I need them, they I could be they could be called on. And uh, I've always felt that I they, they may not actually have my back. Uh, my current situation is that I have a mortgage fixed at two point five nine percent. It's coming up for renewal, and they are offering me two point two point one nine percent. And I just heard you guys talking about one point something, and maybe even one percent. And so I I was wondering if you could give me some advice. I mean, I have everything with my current bank. They they control my investments and my RSP and my pension and my credit cards. And, um, yeah, so I, you know, actually, I, uh, I don't know if you need this information, but I have roughly, uh, a 500,000 mortgage, uh, like outstanding. So if you give me your advice, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Listen, your bank does not want you changing one of your financial products, mm-hmm. but just as much as they don't want you to change one of your financial products. The fact that you have a lot of your financial products with the same institution, they also figured out that you're loyal. So you're never going to get amazing pricing right off the bat. The more you can intimate, intimate to your bank that you shop everything, the better off you're going to be. It's like a, you got to understand that you are negotiating. You're not negotiating against the person who's offering you the interest rate. You're negotiating against that computer they're punching in all the keys into. And that computer has been trained to provide that person responses to provide you. So when you go in to a bank, it's like you're at work. Don't go in there and be disarmed by a green couch or somebody telling you that you're richer than you think. You got to go in there with a mindset of it's you against them. Someone will, someone will win and someone will lose in that transaction. And you got to push as far as you possibly can, almost even, you know what? Here's my advice to you. Take the negotiation to a point where they say, I'm really sorry. We just can't help you. Figure out where the breaking point is on that rate. We can help you do that. Mm-hmm. You, like, you know what? Why is it that the bank's five-year fixed rate on their website right now is like, 5.19 or 4.99%. And you need to go in and fight for anything more than that. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is that when Connect, some, you know, some mortgage brokerage in Toronto is able to put the absolute lowest rate that we can get you on our website and update it every hour. And a big, huge bank that makes billions of dollars in profits can't do that. Well, I'll tell you why. Because they want to negotiate with you. The same reason why when you get a renewal letter sent to you at home six months or three months before your mortgage is coming up for renewal, the rate on it will suck. And if you don't respond, they'll call you and say, well, geez, 
you better respond because if you don't, you might not have a mortgage when this thing renews. Mm. And then they'll call you again and say, listen, we, we, ha- we know you haven't responded yet. It's 30 days now. We we're sorry about being tough at the beginning. Are you shopping us? Why don't we give you this better interest rate now? So just understand, it's a game. It means much less to them than it does to you. And there are ways to win this game. You know, you could go to a, like, this is what, you know, a mortgage broker will do, right? We have this fabulous client. He showed great loyalty to one bank. He has RRSPs and investments with that bank. He's got a checking account and a credit card. We build up a file so that people want to offer you the lowest possible interest rate. You don't have to move everything to anybody. You're in the driver's seat. Mm. Not them. Guys, just before the break, we were talking with Abed. He brought up a great point. And I go through this. It's funny how I'm seeing the parallels because I've been doing an employment law show with Howard Levitt for years. And we keep getting people who've been fired by their employer. They're just amazed that, that the company, A, doesn't have loyalty or that, you know, they've been with this company for 25 years. How can they treat me this way? And I'm learning, you know, from our conversations here, it's exactly the same with the banks. And that is, you know, the banks have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholder, not to the guy standing in front of the teller saying, you know, how long have I been here and how dare you treat me? like that. And yet there is this sense of awe when the banks are, you know, treat them like the the numbers on a spreadsheet that, you know, unfortunately they really are. You said it, that that's it. They're not responsible to the clients. They're responsible to the shareholders. That's it. So anybody that thinks differently or thinks they have a relationship with someone at a branch level, they might, you may very well, but the bank it is not incumbent upon the bank to better service you because they're going to make more money um, or to treat their employees fairly. Like, you know, I, listen, I used to work at a bank, right? But I didn't last very long. I was there for a little, little less than a year. Uh, but, and then I became a mortgage broker. Ha, there you go. But while I was there, there was this really, really awkward trend that I noticed where, you know, you could... You'd see these guys, and I was in investment banking, so I would I kind of would deal with, you know, <clears throat> guys that were doing really well, both on the sales and trading side or on the research side. And I was on the research side, which is probably why I hated it so much. But you would see these guys, guys and 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 gals that were working at the bank and they'd been there for 30 years. Mm. And the problem for the bank with someone being employed there for 30 years is that each year that you're there, they need to pay you a little bit more. They need to kind of keep you excited. They need to increase your title. They need to increase your salary. They need to increase your bonus. So it's kind of this, the same algorithm and the same thinking that's at play to squeeze the most out of a client is at play to squeeze the most out of their employees. And they do it very well. The problem is at a certain point, they shed these higher paid people. And when that happens, you can see it. Like the, these employees are like, this is incredible. Like they, they, they don't see it coming for some reason. When it's happening all around them each and every year, well, the, you know, the people that are making you know, more and more money, eventually they're going to have to get removed and they're going to have to get packaged out. And, and it's, so if, if, if you've got an organization that's treating its best and brightest that way, how, how do you think they're going to treat their their customers. Mm. The objective at the banks is to make money for their shareholders. That is it. It is, yeah, it is not to be nice to you. So when you go in, 
like I said, behave as though it's your job. Go into the bank and behave as though it's your job. And one, one tool that we can, we can provide you with is our knowledge. You're not going to find another company like Connect that's, that's centered around giving you all the tools. Whether you decide to work with us or not, and listen, we want you to work with us. In fact, the way, we feel as though if we give 100 people all the tools and all the information they need in order to get the absolute most out of their mortgage, and we've done our job properly and we've communicated what our role is properly, the majority of those people will work with us because it will make the most sense. And for some, it might not make the most sense. Penalty might be too high. They might have some, some reason why they've got to stay with that specific lender. Honestly, I can't think of another one other than penalty at this point. But if that's the case, we don't want you to go with an option that we're providing. We want you to go with the option that makes the most sense for you. That's it. If it helps any, I worked for McDonald's for three hours and 17 minutes. And it didn't end well. <laughs> what happened? So, I'll tell you guys at some point. It's, uh, Steve <laughs> is in Toronto. Look at that. Steve, good afternoon. What's your question for the guys? Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, just listening. A lot of you, what you're saying about the bank, I can truly rely, uh, relate to that. Anyway, quickly, I, I want to, I have, a, I have say, three properties, right? And approximately mortgage sixty thousand on one. The others are free and clear. How? What is the criteria to increase my mortgage or get a mortgage on one of these properties? My income has gone down substantially because of the COVID. And what? What is the criteria now? I know it's not, for, you know, for your possessions anymore. Is it based totally on income? No, no. You can. There are still some lenders that have asset-based lending. Um, especially based like with what sounds like very low loan to values in your case. What's the cumulative total of the value of all your real estate, of all three of those properties? I would say uh, roughly maybe two point three million, somewhere like that. Yeah. Okay. So, and the one that's got the sixty thousand is that a rental or a principal residence? Condominium. Yes. It's, it's a mortgage. It's the condo say worth four hundred. The mortgage is a little under sixty. And the other uh, one, my principal residence and another condo, and they're free and clear. So it, the reason why you have the mortgage on the condo for tax deductibility on the interest, or like, is there a specific reason why you put it on there? At the condo, maybe 10 years. I just, it doesn't pay to pay it off. The mortgage rate is cheap, like you say. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. And then on the principal resident, what's the value of the principal resident? Uh, say... For argument's sake, 1.1. Uh, so if I were you, I, I mean, I, I know we can help as long as the credit is good. Um, I, don't, I don't, I've got an excellent credit rating. I know that for a fact. Okay. Yeah. So we can definitely help uh, the same rates that we're talking about, you know, sub two on a five-year fixed, pretty close to 1% on a variable would apply. Um, we would look to see what that $60,000 requires as a penalty or a renegotiation first, just to make sure we don't kind of leave any stone unturned. But I suspect the best option would be some type of mortgage line of credit option on the principal residence. You could probably go up to 50, 65% of its value, which doesn't sound like you even need to go that high. Um, but it's not a bad idea in a time like this 
when property values are as high as they are, to lock in the ability to borrow now so that when property values drop, which they will, you still have access to that capital. And if everyone's running around buying real estate right now, you could be sitting there with a, you know, you got 60 owing right now, you pay that off, you get 650 uh, thousand, you're at 590,000 bucks that you have access to at any point you want. And when property values drop or you see an opportunity or you want to invest, you get a little more than a half a million dollars available to do so. So I would say definitely call us. Uh, This is a great, uh, we'd love to help out regardless of what the income is. You got way too much equity for anyone to say no to you. And in fact, they want you, right? Like they want, they want you as a borrower. You are a great borrower. You are, you know, GIC level risk, right? You should be paying GIC what, what people are getting on their GIC. I got 25 seconds left for your answer. Should someone tell the bank that they are shopping around or shop around and then approach their bank? So uh, listen, my favorite thing- 25 seconds. My favorite thing to hear from a client is, I took your offer to my bank and they said you should probably just stick with the guy yeah. that gave you that offer. So it doesn't really matter. We're, we'll work with you either way and we'll walk you through how to get in front of your bank in that negotiation because that is the goal. Depends on yeah, depends on how much time you have, but I would say go to your bank right away. Say, give me a rate, but know that I'm shopping with Connect right now. And then give us a call afterwards. Thank you so much. 